0: thank you Jesus Luke chapter 15 again I want to thank you for all the Fathers and uh Fathers are a very important part of God's kingdom uh they train us they instruct us they guide us they protect us they provide for us and therefore we do not minimize at all the role of Fathers in our families and in the kingdom of God but you know, Jesus said something in Matthew chapter 7. Let me, let me just go there before I go to Luke 15. Let me read that very quickly. In verse 7 of Matthew chapter 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Verse 9. Or what man is there among you? Who? If his son asks for bread, we give him a stone. Your son asks for bread this morning, you just put a stone in his mouth. That would be ridiculous. Or if he asks for a fish... You've given me a serpent. Now, verse 11. This is where I'm going. If you then, being evil, being depraved, being wicked, being fleshly, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, your children will not ask you for bread and you give them stone. They will not ask you for fish and you go fetch a serpent and say, this is your fish. If we know to do better than that, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? That, for me, this morning, provides the context for where I want to go this morning in Luke chapter 15. And in that passage, I just want to speak very briefly on the manifestation of the Father's love. The manifestation of the Father's love. Jesus provides for us a very good context. Whoever asks, we receive. Whoever is seeking, will find. And whoever knocks on the door, the Bible gives us assurance. A guarantee that if you ask, you seek, you knock, you will get results. And then he gave us a very dramatic contrast. I cannot imagine any father right now under the sound of my voice. That your son will come to you and say, Daddy, I want breakfast. I actually want bread. Joseph will say to me, I want bread. And I will go outside of the house and get a rock put in his mouth. Can you imagine that? If a father did that, we would say for sure that man is a lunatic. Or that a boy or a child will come and say, Daddy, I I just have a desire for fish. And you get in your backyard, chase a snake down, and roast the snake. Put pepper on top of it. And say, son... This is great fish. Nobody will ever think of doing that. So Jesus said, now, against that backdrop, think of a heavenly father. As great as this day is, and we thank God for it, we thank God for our fathers, we bless the Lord for those men that God has placed in our lives as instruments to guide us, to nurture us, to train us, to provide for us, to protect us. None of that comes... Close to who the heavenly father is and in our lives. Amen. None of it remotely comes close. And you're about to see it now. Because in Luke chapter 15, Jesus begins to talk to us. Now, tradition has told us that this passage is about a prodigal son. But thank God that we've been divorced from tradition in this house. Amen. Religion has taught us from way back that this is the story of the prodigal son. But we know that grace through the eyes of God teaches us that it's not about the prodigal son, but about the prodigal father. Yes. So this morning, I just want to spend a few minutes to help you to see. How prodigal the love of God as a father is for us. Amen. That word prodigal means lavish. It means to be reckless. And in fact, that is exactly what God's love is. It's a reckless love. Yes. It means to be profuse. To be lavish. With reckless abandonment. I said this in Nigeria last week. The grace of God is scandalous. Yeah. Yeah. Scandalous. In the sense that you, after you've seen a beneficiary of God's grace, you say, ah, God, what are you thinking about this? Why would you extend this to this guy? Yes. That's how scandalous it is. Because it blows our mind, it blows our imagination, and it totally, completely is out of the realm of what you and I will consider normal. That's why God stands out by himself, all by himself. None can be compared to him. Now, let me just read two verses in Luke 15, verses 1 and 2. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Let me just start with that. That one verse. Did you read what I just read? Sinners drew near to him. Are sinners drawing near to you and I today? There was something magnetic about this God. About this Jesus. That he did not repel sinners, he drew them. Grace draws, love draws, he does not repel. I mean, that's the opening passage, that's the opening verse of this passage. These sinners were drawn to him. They felt safe around him. They didn't feel condemned. They didn't feel shame put upon them. There was a safety net around Jesus that allowed sinners to draw nigh to him. Yes. Incredible. Everything we are talking about in the United States right now, if the church had a different perspective and we emanated the aroma of Christ, Yes, we won't be where we are. Yes, the fragrance that has come out of us up to this point has not been conducive. It has not allowed those we are trying to reach to come near to us. Yes, We've sent a message to them. Keep out. Stay away. Don't come near us. You are not holy enough. You are not righteous. You are not good. Yes. Old testament mentality. Old testament mentality. New covenant is not like that. Verse 1. The Bible says sinners drew near to him. Verse 2 here. And the Pharisees and scribes complained. There you go. The religious folks. They complained saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. (laughs) they're complaining. Now look at this crazy thing. The Pharisees and these scribes don't care for the sinners. They don't speak to the sinners. They don't minister to the sinners. And then when Jesus steps in there to minister to the sinners, they complain. But the more important point, the more important point I want to make here is you need to recognize the audience Jesus is about to speak to in verses 1 and 2 verse 1 they were sinners verse 2 religious traditional men and women these were the audience to which he gave these parables don't miss that are you following me because that helps us to understand why he's speaking to them to begin with so you have two groups of people number one the sinners and tax collectors. People that were despised, that people did not like. Tax collectors and sinners. Number one group. Number two group, the Pharisees. And the scribes. Those who thought they were already right. They were already self-righteous. These are the group. Now, let's go to verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Let me just break it down as I'm going. So, this man had two sons, Jesus says in this parable. And the younger one came to the father and said, Give me my inheritance if you will. And we are told that without any condition, without any precondition, the father didn't argue with him, didn't try to talk him out of it, didn't say, Why are you doing this? What are you going to do with this inheritance? None of that. The boy asked and he received. Oh my god, somebody help me here this morning. I just read the scripture to the Matthew chapter 7. Yes, yes. Yeah. yes sir. Uh, yes, sir. He asked, I and even though watch this, watch this. The father knew that the boy was not qualified to handle what he was asking for. Yes. Yeah. My he was a younger child. Mm. He knew that he was not qualified. To handle what he was asking. In spite of that, he gave it to him. Watch this. We are talking about a manifestation of your father's love. You think you love your own children. Your love for your children does it pales in comparison to how much God loves you. And if you can ever receive what we are talking about, about how much God loves you, it will change how you love other people. Because the reason we are not able to love is because we have not received love. The degree to which I can open my heart and love and touch and care for others is the degree to which I have received, embraced, and working in God's love for me. It's too much stuff here. I need to move forward. Because, number one, you need to understand what this boy is asking for is never given unless a father is dead. I have a will at home. Written, my will, I have it. And if you are a father, you need to have a will. Oh, I can't get an email on that. You, Let me say that again. If you are a father, not only do you need a will, first get life insurance. Yes, sir. Wait a minute, we're going to camp here. Let me get on the platform. My God. I said, if you're a father, not only should you have a will, you need to have a life insurance. You just said you love your children. You just said you're a good father. What will happen to your wife and your children at your demise? Thank you, sir. Hey, wait, 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 wait! Don't give me that fit stuff. You are not going to live forever. No one is going to live forever. Every one of us, at some point in time, will go home to be with the Lord. Amen. Oh, come on now! You, you say you love Jesus, don't you love Jesus? Everybody loves Jesus, but nobody wants to see him. They all love him, but hey, Jesus, I love you. Keep your love. You, you stay in heaven, let me hear. Him. I want to remain here on the earth. If you love him so much, you need to be thinking about going to be with him at some point. And when you go, what's going to happen to those who you leave behind? This is a command now. This is a father's command. Every man in this house, every man in this house, by this time next week, Get a, get a life insurance amen. Yes. Amen. can I hear an amen? Yes. amen oh my god I've never seen so much resistance all the days of my life oh, wow. oh my oh. goodness I can't even go beyond I can't go any further in this message what are you guys thinking I are you going to get one I yeah, thank you very much Broline, are you going to get one you already have Poseidon, are you going to get one? <laughs> 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 Wait a minute. What did he say? You are sure that I have one. <laughs> <laughs> <Simon> <laughs> Walker, are you going to get one? You have two. Wonderful. My friend. I'll I'll just go to heaven and tell them this (laughs) story. (laughs) I'll (laughs) send (laughs) the comforter. Ah! In all seriousness, men, I speak this with authority. Take care of your business. And part of that business is if you love your family, do whatever it takes so that when you are gone, they don't become miserable. Thank you. They don't become That's wretched. Love. That's that is what love. love will do. Love provides. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Thank you. Let, uh, if you want, I'll almost give a scripture for this. Yeah. Love provides before you ever know you're going to need the provision. There you go. Give a hand to that, so don't wait till you are dead. And then we, we, we are burying you with annoyance. I mean, I mean, I mean, we 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 come to the casket. And, oh man, it's gone. That's annoyance. Oh, we are burying you with love, sir. We are burying you with love. I come to the casket. I and, 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 and you, you can't live with Vui. Just Johnny, come back, Johnny. With love, sir, with love. With love. Take care of your business. With love, Okay. I think I made enough point of that. I'm going to ask you next week. Buy enough insurance to make sure your wife and your children would maintain the lifestyle they had while you are alive. So don't come back next week and tell me you bought a $5,000 policy. What's happening? That That's not even enough to go to Las Vegas for one trip. We want to bury you and be able to go to Las Vegas every year and not be broke. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Nothing else. All right. Back to the story. Luke chapter 15. So this young boy was really asking his father, when are you going to die so I can get what belongs to me? Because wills are not executed. Inheritance are not given until after the demise or the death of the person who gives the will. So this boy boldly walks up to his father and said, I want my inheritance now. Even though you are not dead, really as far as I'm concerned, you can die. Just give me what belongs to me. Yes. That's what they were saying. The father did not say, what? How ridiculous. What are you saying? Do you know what the implication took for me to give you my, your inheritance while I'm alive? You might as well wish me dead. None of that. None of that. Besides, he was well aware that the boy was not qualified. He did not say, I will put it in the foundation for you. No. He knew that the boy would squander the inheritance and that he, the father, would need to fix him later. Still, That's the kind of love your father has for you. He does not relate. The word father, it's not a title. It's not a job title. It's a relational title. Being a father is just that. That I am going to relate with you. Not because you are good. Not because you've impressed me. Not because you merit it. I'm a father. I cannot unfather myself. Period. Yes. So he gave him the inheritance with no precondition. Ah, God help us. And as we read further in that passage, verse 13, not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions. When he has spent all there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He sent him to the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pot that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with anger i will arise and go to my father now this is very interesting that this boy who has obviously squandered all his inheritance who knows that what he has done could not be looked upon favorably in spite of that he came to a point in his reasoning where he said you know what as bad as things are there's only one place i can go When our children get to a roadblock in their lives, do they see you and I as their only result? Or do they call their friends, men and women as, who are their peers who cannot solve their problem, but if anything, exacerbate it? This boy, in his darkest hour, looked up and said, You know what? What am I doing in this place? I know that I have a father who in spite of what I have done or not done for that matter is just one call away. Oh, amen. That is the safety harbor that God creates for you and I. Yes. That no matter how badly you've blown it, that the only place of refuge is not away from him, but returning to him that's what made David such a unique and special fellow. He didn't run away from God, he ran to God. I said, God, you are my refuge. and my fortress. You're my buckler. i my shield. In you alone will I trust. That's the kind of father we celebrate today. So this boy had enough presence of mind to return to his father. And he rehearsed what he would say when he got there. Verse 18. I would arise and go to my father and we said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Please hear this. Who gave this boy this mentality to say I'm no longer worthy? Where did that come from? Oh, no, 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 no. You, you, we need to answer this question this morning. Where are you getting this notion that because you did this wrong and you did that you are no longer worthy to be God's son? Tell me. Who told you that? Because surely this father didn't say that? sir. Religion has taught us that in order to maintain some kind of status with God, we have to merit it we have to perform for it. We have to have certain things, not just in our bed to say, you know what? You're still a child of God. There was no message from the father to the boy while he was in darkness to say you're no longer worthy. So why are you believing that lie? Who is telling you that lie that you're not worthy? Why are you believing the lie that you're not worthy? Because you see, you must understand and settle once and for all that your worthiness is not, is not tied to your condition your worthiness is not tied to your circumstance oh my god your worthiness with god is not tied to how you feel about yourself i may not feel well i may not feel good i may be in a bad place i may have blown it i may be in darkness but i want you to know god has never opened his mouth and said in spite of what you've been because of what you've done you are no longer mine never that's why he put a spirit in us crying Abba, father, and he has never taken it back, and he will not take it back. Yes. This boy has been programmed with wrong thinking. And I'm praying for us this morning, that wherever you got that thinking from, that God will erase it from your mindset. Yes. He's judging himself based on his behavior. his behavior is telling him you can't be a son yeah. you took your father's inheritance look at what you've done with it certainly you're not a son any longer really no 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 it doesn't work like that it doesn't my behavior do not determine who I am Yes, sir. <laughs> you guys I, 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 there's nobody here with me this morning yeah. your behavior doesn't determine your identity Rather, my identity drives my behavior. Yeah. My right believing drives my right behaving. Yeah. So this guy smashed up. But verse 20 Oh my God. Let me, let me go back to verse 19. I need to hold it because of time. Look at, He said I'm no longer worthy. Not only does he have a wrong thinking Look how he depreciates himself. Make me one of your hired servants. Wow. Okay. Watch this madness. He received inheritance for which he never labored. Freely given to him. He now returns. He said, make me a hired servant. So now I'm going to start getting credits for the labor I put in. Wow. You are sent out with inheritance for which you never worked. Your inheritance was based on your relationship. Yes. Now you are coming back and making a proposal. Oh. He's proposing, the father never said it. Yes. He's proposing to the father listen, even though you are so lavish, so prodigal in what you blessed me with, I don't deserve it. Wow. Just make me a servant. Let me earn $7 an hour. Wow. Do you see this thinking? Wow. That's where many believers in the body of Christ are. We are approaching God with a higher servant mentality. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You have a father who is so prodigal in his lavish, abundant show of reckless love to you. But you are coming to him for $7 an hour. And the Romans, the book of Romans says, he has freely given us all things to enjoy. Father, in the name of Jesus, every mindset of legalism, self righteousness, self-performance, and self-effort that has programmed us to approach you in a very demeaning, insulting way. I pray for the cancellation of that program in our mind in the name of Jesus. Help us to see you for who you are. The great God of the universe who is so loving, ever so large-hearted, waiting forever to bless us. And so, Lord, we receive of your love afresh and anew. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let me read on. So, his propositor is no longer his son, verse 19, and all his desire now is to be a hired servant. And so, verse 20, he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Whoa. Whoa. Now, how in the heck is this story about a prodigal son? I don't know. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father didn't let him finish his script. He had his prepared statement. You know, they said President Obama is going to address the nation and he has his prepared statement. It's, only, it's, it's already ready to be prepared. Ah, okay. uh, no, 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 no. Not, not today. This guy was here. Was I'm no longer worthy to be. Um, bang! The father stopped him. Don't go there. Yes. It's bad enough you've been in darkness. Now you are in light. Yes. You are in my presence now and he's going to start making the statement, I'm no longer wanting to be your son, and he wanted to now offer his proposal, his new, wonderful, thought-out, well-planned proposal about being a hired servant on $7 an hour to a God who was willing to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which is able to think or ask. God Almighty, help me. According to the power of God, I walk in him. You're proposing that minimum wage in the presence of the Holy God of heaven? Who gave everything so you can be rich. How that grace that was upon the Lord Jesus Christ. For my sake and your sake it became poor. That out of his poverty he may be be rich. It cost him his life to make you rich. To elevate you. To promote you. And then you're going to go there and ask to be a hired servant. You're going to be begging for overtime pay. So you can pay your car note when god says everything i've made is yours yes. yeah. oh, ah. wow. have you not read it am i just talking oh, on. psalms 103 that you should not forget is what benefits he forgives my iniquity he heals my diseases he cares my head with tender loving care my lord think about that we are not talking of the crown of king of england no this is bigger than that He's crowned my head with tender loving kindness. My God, on my demand if I need a pay for loving kindness. God, I'm your beloved. I'm the apple of your eye. I'm the one you love. Therefore, I'm drawing upon your love to make a demand for whatever I need. Are you kidding me? Redeem myself from destruction? Renew my youth as the eagles? And satisfies my mouth with hired servanthood? Yes. He satisfies my mouth to be a servant. No, absolutely not. Satisfies my mouth with good things. Yes. I'm a child of God. The best in the market belongs to me. Oh, you see, you, you guys don't believe that. Yeah. If they make a test car, it's mine. You guys are not ready. Keep your Volkswagen. Keep your motorcycles. Keep your scooters. You are not ready for what God has for you. My God. I'm talking about it. Thank you very much. You guys are not ready. You're just talking. You're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. When you're flying from here to uh, Chicago, you're thinking of the best deals. Spirit Airline. Uh, JetBlue. Uh, uh, Can I get it for $27? No, how about about $22.50? What is wrong with you? Who did they make the business class for? Who did they make the first class for? Why wow, are you always thinking of the lowest and cheapest? What is your problem? Do we serve the same God or do you have a different kind of God? And those guys that are up there, are they do they have three heads? Three legs? Four hands? We are thinking way too small. Yeah. We are not dreaming big enough. We are always looking at the glass half empty. Listen, what you believe determines your behavior. It determines your behavior. You say, well, Pastor, I cannot afford first class now. No, okay, I understand you can't afford it. Dream about it. Yes, I may not be able to afford it today, but God knows I'm dreaming. In fact, when I'm working on the aircraft, I first look there. First, oh, Let me see how it looks. Okay, good. Let me get a good mental image because I'm there one day. Yes. 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 Just keep your business. Keep your coach tickets. Keep your coach seats. Just keep it. I know you love it you enjoyed it, keep it because so, so, something is telling you your grandfather came your, your grandfather came by boat three, three weeks journey so so now you can manage economy twelve hours that's funny enough mad thinking boat was good for my grandfather in his day in my day God has made other things available Yes. let me play with you guys a little bit I know for those of you that love your economy seats you, you, this this is hard it had airlines they have this new compartment now it's got first class apartment no it's got first class resident apartment bedroom living room bathroom all exclusive you get on the aircraft you lock your door nobody sees you until you land And you're still struggling in coach. You're believing God. Yeah, yeah. You're struggling. give me coke. Hey, I need more water. Nonsense. The day I finished flying Etihad, first class, resident apartment. I'll come and tell you the story. Because my God is able to supply all of my need according to his riches in glory in christ jesus not the u.s economy not the canadian economy definitely not the nigerian economy not the european union economy but the economy of the kingdom of god where there is no inflation where there is no economic austerity but nothing but supply 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 jesus died and rose again so there will be abundant supply to them that believe All things are possible. Not to those who debate. Debaters never put a dime in your pocket. All things are possible to them that believe. Amen. Oh. Okay. Let me leave you guys alone. Let me leave you guys alone. <laughs> let me leave you guys alone. but the father said to his servants bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and send us on his feet and bring the father calf here and kill it and let's eat and be merry let me just close this message now I want to give you four takeaways of the manifestation of the father's love This boy came home has a prepared script. No longer was it to be your servant. Make me have a servant. The father totally, completely almost ignored him. Looks at the servants. Bring me a robe. Bang. Number one, take away. His father covered his nakedness. Thank you. Yes. Put a robe upon him. So the robe did not come from the boy. It came from who? The father. The first time we see a covering in the scripture. Genesis 3.21. What happened? Adam and Eve had sinned. And as a consequence of their sin, they saw themselves as being naked. What did they do? They went to the automatic default of what sin does. Hear this immediately they went and got fig leaves and covered themselves. I don't know how they sold it. Whether it was Givenchy, Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren, I don't know who sold it for them. They put on fig leaves. Ah, God came and saw the fig leaves. Clothing, robe of man's effort. Your own effort to cover yourself. It looks good for one day, because the green, the fig fig leaves is still green, it's leafy. Uh, Those of you that came from abroad, you know what I mean by abroad. Abroad. Lived in houses of thatched roofs. If you didn't come from abroad, you saw it on Tarzan or National Geographic. Those homes that are roofed with thatched leaves. When the touch leaves are fresh. The color of the, ge- of the leaves are green. In three months, Brother Olu, you went back to the same house, the color changes. It's not dark brown. Why? Because in your own effort, whatever effort you make to cover your own sin, will only carry you for one day, two days, one week, two weeks. After a while, your effort wins. You didn't get it. Our effort can only carry us so far. After a while, you will see the futility of your own effort. Just as the fig leaf turns from green to brown. It doesn't work. It doesn't last. This father knew that. He didn't ask the boy, go and buy a new robe. No. That would have been the boy's effort. It would have been the boy's performance. So what did the father do? He brought a robe and put it on the boy. The boy didn't have the word. The man, the father put put it it on him. Dressed him up. (laughs) Many of us have been naked for so long. And I want you to know, God in heaven is clothing us. He's not clothing us with things or materials that we procured on our own self. But he bought it. He made it and he dressed you up. Yes. Second time we see clothing. Genesis 37 verse 3. It reads thus that Joseph, this is the genealogy, no, 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 that Jacob loved Joseph so much. What did he do? He gave him a coat. And now he says a robe of many colors. So number one, the robe means a covering. Number two, it is a sign of a distinctive love. Yes. Yes. I'm going to help you yes. when you can't help yourself. Yes. Many of you mothers here, when your child was young, you brought the child home to the hospital. Did they dress themselves? You dress the baby. Why? They cannot dress themselves. Why did you dress the baby? You love them. You care for them. Yes. You want to protect them. Yes. So the first thing this father did was put a robe on this young man. A sign of love covering his nakedness. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 tells us robes represents the righteousness of God in the saint. And in Exodus 28, the priest could not minister unless they were robed. Think of the richness of what God did here. Gave the boy a robe. Saying to all who are looking on. I love you. I'm going to cover you. In contemporary terms. That word means. I got your back. Yes. Yes. My God. No matter what you do. I got your back my friend. I got your back i don't know what may happen to you i don't know what you may do but you need to have the assurance when the chips fall where it may i have your back but now it's not just frail humanity that's saying it has our back God in heaven is saying to you this morning, He has your back. I don't care what happens. I don't care what they say to you on your job, in a marketplace, in your household, in your family. God is saying to you, I have you covered. What greater news can there be? Number two, take away. He put a robe on him, and secondly, He put a ring in his finger. My goodness. Rings are symbolic of eternal covenants. This circle in a ring, never ending circle, is speaking of eternal covenant. So not only is the boy robed, which signifies his righteousness, his father wants him to know. That this act of love, that is demonstrating, will never be taken away. Wow. An assurance that this ring, as long as it's in your finger, lets you know you have an eternal, everlasting covenant. Amen. Yes. Amen. Notice the sequence of the event. Yes. He did not give the ring first and then the robe. Don't miss that. The robe precedes the ring. Because it is the righteousness of God in the saint that qualifies you for the ring. Yes. Are there any righteous people here this morning? Only four people. The rest of you, altar call. Come to the altar now. I Are there any righteous people here in this house this morning? (laughs) Not only do you have a robe of God covering you, you have the ring of God. Now, the ring does not only mean everlasting covenant it also is a symbol of what? Authority. When Joseph became second in command in Egypt, this was what Pharaoh did to let everybody know. He placed a ring in his finger. Because back in the day, documents were signed with a ring. You put the seal of a ring on a document, it's law. So as a child of God, not only are you covered and robed with righteousness, not only do you have everlasting life and covenant with God, you also have authority. Whatsoever you bind in the earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose in the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Because we don't know who we are, we don't know our identity, we are not able to operate in the fullness of what God has for us. Thoughts take away. He places sandals on his feet. <laughs> what does that mean? Very, very simple. Let's go read some scripture to, uh, scriptures on this one. In Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Is the AC running in this place? Did I hear somebody say a cold? I need to blow some of this out hair on you, my friend, if you are gold. <laughs> Mark chapter 6, verse 9. Okay, verse 7. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and give them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing except for the journey. No, nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals. To wear sandals. Okay? What's the, what's the significance? Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. In verse 15. Romans ten fifteen. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Who bring glad tidings of good things. The sandals represents the fact that you are a righteous person who carries the authority of God, now spread the news of God's love and goodness to everybody else. Ooh, I can hear the holy hush. You love the righteousness. You love the ring, but you don't want to wear your sandals. Do you see that? You see the problem with the church? How can you keep this powerful love message to yourself? How ridiculous is that? Notice what it said. The tidings of peace He didn't say for you to go there and make an argument and go and debate and bring people into condemnation or shame. That's not your job. Speak peace into the matter. Peace into the home. Peace into the business. Peace, peace, peace. That's the good news. Notice, he did not tell you and I to go out there and tell the sinners they are sinners. Ooh, Okay. He doesn't need you to tell them that. They already know who they are. Just like you knew who you were before you became born again. Ah, it's quiet now. This is the thing with Christians. It's all of a sudden it's so dead quiet. Of course not. You don't need to go and tell the sinners who they were. They already know who they are. Romans chapter 1 says their conscience already tells them. They know. What they need to know is how do I make peace with this God? And for that, it will send us on your feet, Greg. Go out and tell people. Why are we not telling people how much God loves them? We are not telling them because we ourselves do not know that God loves us. That's the problem. We, we can catch that problem in many different ways. We can... Say we are busy. Uh, we don't have money. I'm not feeling good. We can, you, can, you can enumerate that in 99 different ways. But the bottom line is you have no idea how much he loves you. Yes, sir. Because when you fully come into the knowledge of how much God loves you and I, yes. nobody will have you, listen, you'll be singing the song. Amazing Grace will be the song you'll be singing 24-7. I was in a place with me yesterday. And I met a man that I've known for, oh, 20, 25 years. I've not seen him in that long. And when I saw the guy, I immediately recognized him. A man, I kid you not, the guy could pass for my older uncle easily. Nice, handsome. The last time I saw this guy, This guy, I don't want to describe who he was because yeah, don't let me describe who he was. But I could not believe that in a matter of time, such a change has taken place in the person that they have aged so significantly. I hugged them about three times just to make sure this is the same man. (laughs) I kid you not. We got in the car, we're driving back. I said, Sammy, I need to be thankful to God. All of a sudden it hit me i told him "I said, Sami, this we cannot take distance for granted mm-hmm. right. how god renews our youth as the eagles, yes. and yeah. people see you and i and i say wow are you really sure you're this age yeah. i'm passing through immigration i give them a passport and they look at the age they say oh, okay are you sure this is your right passport it happens all the time but the point i'm making is this i recognize it's not anything I have done, yes. but the grace of God yes. that I may enjoying, yes. And therefore, be thankful for it. Yes. That will drive you to tell anybody that God is great, yes. that God is loving, that God is kind, is merciful. Amen. I'm staying on this point because this is the reason the church is not growing. We are not telling anybody about God. We are keeping goodness just to ourselves. What are you going to do about that? Now for sure, let me let you know this. I don't want you to be under any guilt or condemnation. Sharing or not sharing does not make God love you more or less. Yes. Amen. Let's put that on the table right now so you understand yes. that. So let's remove that guilt element. <laughs> God is not going to love you anymore because you go and tell 19 people tonight. No. He won't love you any less because you don't. That's on the table. You understand? Can you see it? It's on the table. Yes, sir. Nothing. Can ever remove from you the love of God. However, if you really do love Him as you say you love Him, shouldn't you be telling your friends and people that say, "Come and see a man, hey, who's done marvelous things in my life"? So, if you are still intimidated and you are not able to share about how great God is, take it to prayer. Take it to prayer. Take it to prayer. Ask God to give you the courage to be able to freely share the love he's given you. Take it to prayer. Because to show you how unnatural it is, you don't meet a man or a girl when you are single and you, you're not going to tell anybody about it? Oh, okay. I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about human beings. When you met her, did you tell anybody about it? No. You didn't tell anybody you met your wife when you met her? No, I didn't tell anybody. I was working on it. You were working on it? Yes. But after she said yes, you didn't tell anybody? Oh, I told her. None of oh, okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure. I told everybody. everybody. For those of us that were on dope back in the day. When you smoke Jamaica weed. <laughs> hey, this thing is serious. You call three more friends. Hey, Jamal weed, you need to get it. Yes. So now when you get to when you go to your crack parlor. You're asking for Jammu weed. Why? Because somebody recommended it to you. And when you transfer to Colombia, Columbia weed, then you begin to announce Columbia to everybody. Okay, some, many of you are not on weed. Okay, how about, how about your, your, your beer? You get the message. Yes, sir. You remain righteous. Yes, sir. You have an everlasting, eternal covenant. Yes, sir. And authority with God. Yes, sir. Tell somebody about it. Yes, And lastly, oh my God, this is what I love the most about God. And I pray that the religious church will catch up with where God is. Go back to Luke 15. In that verse 22, best robe, a ring, sandals, verse 23, and bring the fatted calf here. And kill it and let us eat and be merry. This is what really totally completely blows the church away. Do you know God is a party God? Yes. yes. You can, see, you cannot receive that. Yes. You cannot receive it. Yes. You don't know God at all if you don't understand the partyness in the heart of God. Yes. He called for a father calf, not for a sacrifice because robe has been given already there's no need for sacrifice oh my god this is not an offering he define it let's kill it eat it drink and be merry are you eating drinking and being merry because if you are not you may not belong to my god I'm going to blow your mind away. I'm going to show you scriptures. First he tells you when the sinner returns that there's many men and they just in heaven. The angels are having their own party. But on the earth, he wants you to celebrate. This is a big issue in the kingdom of God. Celebration and feasting. And if you can't deal with it, you're going to be miserable in heaven. So he wants you to get started right now. so that when you get to heaven, you just flow. Because I'm telling you, he's 24-7 rejoicing. Fat? Listen, he didn't say go and bring a goat. Goat is not fat. Don't bring me a goat. I don't want your goat. Skinny looking, hungry looking goat. Miserable goat. He doesn't want a goat. Fat. Don't bring me a calf. Bring me a fatted one. Robust. (laughs) Not only should you bring it, kill it in my presence. We will eat, we will drink, and we will be merry. If you don't understand that element of God, you will miss out on God. Seriously. So let me quickly give you scriptures. Psalms 89, verse 15. Give it to me in the amplified on the overhead. Psalms 89, verse 15. Give it to me in the amplified on the overhead. Thank you. No, amplified. Thank you. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied. Is anybody envying you? You know why they're not envying you now. No, you're, gonna, you're about to find out. <laughs> Happy, <laughs> fortunate to be envied are the people who know that joyful sound, who understand and appreciate the spiritual blessings symbolized by what? Yes. Oh, are you sure that's what it says? Yes. They walk, oh Lord, in the light and what favor of your? Con- are you missing some favor in your life? Could it be because you have not appreciated or understand the spiritual blessings symbolized in the feast? And you saw what he said. He said, Feast. Feast, plural. Hey, hello? Okay. Let's read some more scriptures. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. in verse 14 the context here is Israel is coming out of the land of oppression bondage look at what God said to them in verse 14 on the day of their deliverance look at what this says. so this day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it as a what to the Lord for, for one week for one year throughout your generations plural. You shall keep it what? As a feast by an everlasting ordinance for crowd loud. When was the last time you had a feast? When was the last time you said God you've been so good to me I'm going to throw a wild party. I'm going to invite all my sinner friends to come and see what God has done. Uh, You see I'm about to blow your mind. You, this religious mind, the, the thing is to blow away completely. God said it, I didn't say it. Then in Exodus 23, just in case they missed it, look at what it says to them in verse 14. Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. How many of you have bushy this year? She's looking at me strange. Guttered PNC. Three times you must have a feast. Where's your husband? So I can relate the message to him. Three times a year God says you have, to come, you have to have a feast. Three times. And now when you read the details, even though it was three major feasts, there were actually seven celebrations. This is God asking for it, not you. Because if you don't read this, you will not understand why the man killed a father calf. We were in Thailand two, three years ago. And they were trying to intimate us with the way the service was going to go. And for them, the big issue was when we come to church, we're going to feast. So we sat down there as American novice missionaries. And we had a heated discussion. Why do you go to church and eat? Why can't you guys eat at home? Three hours we are still talking about food. (laughs) Trying to tell us why that is an integral part of their service. And we're trying to resist them to say, no, it should not be. Thank God they didn't accept our mad wrong theology. Amen. We were so wrong and so off. Bringing an American doctrine to a people who had not been taught tradition, who just embraced the word of God. And they said to us, part of every service was the fellowship and the communion that comes through feasting. Now I'm reading in the Bible. I'm saying, dang. What's God after? Because then Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 5, 8 that you and I should keep the feast without the malice or wickedness. But rather we should keep the feast with sincerity and truth. What is he after? What God is simply after is when we come together in an atmosphere of feasting. We are reminded of the fact that at Passover, when we became born again, God has already taken out of us the leaven wow. of wickedness and malice. The things that stopped us in the kingdom of God removed. Yes. So as we feast, we celebrate on the fact that God, you've made us pure. You've wow. made us righteous. Yes. We can fellowship eat with one another out of sincerity yes. and truth. Because what? We love God and we love one another. Yes. So these things must be done intentionally. We must intentionally create platforms for feasting. So we can enjoy God and enjoy one another. Four takeaways. You are righteous. You have an eternal everlasting covenant with God. And you have authority with God. And God has challenged you and I that as a result of what we've received freely, We should freely share and give to others and while we're doing so find create atmosphere for fellowship and feasting today's a good day to start take your husbands your fathers to a nice place where there can be an atmosphere of feasting where you can eat drink and be merry start somewhere but don't stop there it's not just one day god recommends in the old testament at least three times a year that he did that in the New Testament, we have the capacity to do it every day. Yes. Amen? Amen? Yes. God loves you. Yes. Don't ever let anyone or anything talk you out of the love of God. Yes. He costs him everything to bring that love down to where you and I can receive it. And so, Father, we're thankful for the love that you've so demonstrated Thank you Lord God that when we were ungodly you put your robe on us as we returned and came to you. You robed us with your righteousness. Not the righteousness that is found in the law but the one that is found by the faith of the Son of God. And so Father we thank you. We do not take it lightly. Thank you for making us righteous. Thank you Father God. Thank you for the authority we have. And thank you Lord Jesus for the courage and the capacity. To be the messengers and carriers of your good news. To others who need to hear it. Lord we bless you. And Lord God we create the atmosphere. To fellowship. To, to celebrate. To, to, to feast. On how great you are. Thank you Lord. That you are the roasted lamb. That the Israelites feasted on in Egypt. And so Lord as we come together in our feast times. We acknowledge you. You are the one that is making it possible. Thank you for every father in the house this afternoon. We bless them. We commend your blessings upon them. Whereas they've been frustrated up to this time, God, you empower them. Cause your blessings to come upon them. Strengthen their hands. Prosper their businesses. Prosper their homes. Let your love emanate out of them. And let their children call them blessed because of what they've seen in their fathers. Thank you, Father God. We honor and we bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. And on that note,